Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Praying in the Spirit. This is part one of that series, uh, Learning to Pray in the Spirit. And this is lesson number six in part one. And what what I feel the need to do today is uh, just kind of stop the flow of these lessons for a moment and address a question or for some a concern because there is much confusion among many people over uh, speaking with tongues. The problem is much of the church world, specifically the non-tongue speakers, they uh, they lump all of speaking in tongues into the same pot and make it all the same. Uh, but that's not biblical. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 4, Now are the, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So everyone that has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as I have demonstrated in the first five lessons of this series, uh, speaks with tongues. But there's also uh, something called the gift of tongues. And... Uh, God, God is masterful. He, to, there's no words to describe him, his intellect, his wisdom, his approach. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 that by the wisdom of God, God determined that man by wisdom could not find God. So you and I cannot find God intellectually. We have to first and foremost find God spiritually. And, there's, and Jesus made it very clear that he wrote the word, the Spirit of God wrote the word through the different writers, one spirit, different writers, one God speaking uh, and dictating or inspiring. Uh, the word inspiration of God, all scripture given by inspiration of God, the word inspiration there means God breathed out, which we would call dictation. Uh, God speaking, Peter said that holy men of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so the words they were given, they, they spoke, were given to them and empowered by the Holy Ghost. And so uh, every man, God, God in his masterful approach has hidden truth uh, within his word so that you cannot just intellectually read the word and find truth. He is not willing for you and I to intellectually read the word and find truth. Why? Because whatever, because knowledge puffeth up. And whatever I receive, whatever I find by my own intellect on my own, I claim that as my accomplishment. I figured this out. I, I discovered this. I did this. I did that. But God, when he, this, when he said uh, on several occasions, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Father, I thank thee that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and reveal them unto babes. So the Lord has purposely written his word to reveal, so that the truth is revealed by the Spirit to those who are seeking him by the Spirit. 
and purposely hiding the truth of the word of God to those who are seeking him, either from a religious perspective or an intellectual perspective or some mixture of the two. It is possible to become an expert in the Bible as a piece of literature and not have any clue what the truth is. And that's what God himself did. He hid things from the wise and prudent, and he reveals them unto babes, not babies, natural babies, but even spiritual babes, those that are brand new in the faith, can know things that the wise and the prudent do not because the babe has received them by supernatural revelation and impartation where they, the wise and the prudent are trying to ascertain them or gain them, comprehend them by their own intellect. And so it is with the subject of speaking in tongues. And as you've already seen in the first five lessons, when I go to the word of God and allow the spirit to shine his light on it, all of a sudden it's not complicated and it's not mysterious and it's not hard to understand. And if you go, well, that's simple. What's so hard about that? Give God the glory because if it's simple to you and not hard for you to understand, you didn't get that on your own. The Spirit of the Father reveal that to you. And he's hidden that from the wise and prudent. And you can read books by scholars. And it is dumbfounding that, that they, what they write about what they think the Bible is saying. And you go, what? And since there are no divinely inspired translations of the Bible... When you, now that even common people like me that don't know Greek, can't read Greek, can't write Greek, have access to Greek through Strong's and Thayer's and Vines and, uh, 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 all the numerous lexicons and that are available and all, all the Greek scholars are commenting and in the multitude to counters their safety. So having access to all of those things, I have the opportunity then to to call through these things and let the Holy Ghost show me what he was really trying to say. And then all of a sudden, you look at the Greek words and what they really mean, and you go, why did the scholars translate that verse like that? When if you look at the words, that's clearly not what was being said. And some would say to me, who are you to question the scholars? I'll tell you who I am. I'm just a spirit-filled child of God who listens to the Holy Ghost and studies the Bible with the Holy Ghost to illuminate the word to me. And so that little lesson right there, I want to go from that to talking about the difference between the two primary uh, uses of tongues, the tongues that every man that's baptized with the Holy Ghost should be able to do, and that is to praise or pray or thank God through some flow of the Spirit in tongues, which is what this series of lessons is all about. The other manifestation of tongues is a, is an operation of the gift of tongues. Now, we know a in the three primary chapters of the Bible that address this. Uh, now, 
Tongues are mentioned in several different places. Tongues are mentioned uh, indirectly in Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. Tongues are mentioned in Mark 16, uh, verse 17. Tongues are mentioned in uh, John 3 and 8, as I have already discussed. And many other places. Places we haven't gotten through yet to yet in this series, but will. But the only places in the entire Bible that gives us guidance over the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit are mentioned in Galatians uh, as a fairly complete list, but those same fruit are mentioned individually and collectively of two or three or four or whatever in other places in the New Testament. But Galatians chapter 5 has the most complete list in one place of the fruit of the Spirit. Well, the gifts of the Spirit are mentioned in other places, both by Jesus and the apostles and the the disciples in the book of Acts. You read certain places, and if you know what the gifts of the Spirit are, you recognize the gift of the Spirit operative in their lives in this place and that place, even though most of the time in the writing of that that piece of the of the that part of the Word of God, the Holy Ghost doesn't identify that gift as being in operation. So we have to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapters 13 and 14 to have any specific teaching about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, as I've already taught in a previous lesson, speaking with tongues was common. So common that Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. But it was so common that apparently they didn't, the, the apostles did not feel and the Holy Ghost did not prompt them to do any specific teaching on the subject of speaking with tongues and also the specific teaching of the gifts of the Spirit except for Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, it, these things are mentioned again indirectly in other epistles, but the most specific teaching on that is in the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, when I look at the context of what's being said, I have to come to this understanding first before I read any of these verses. That while, according to Paul in his own personal experience, and all those churches he personally ministered to, and considering when he went up to Jerusalem and, 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 and compared his experience and his doctrine with the original uh, part of the church that was born on the day of Pentecost, there was no difference between God, what God was doing in him and giving him and those, and the apostles themselves. There was no difference. So it must have been a common experience, according to the scriptures, that people spoke in tongues and used the gifts of the Spirit because God wasn't favoring just the Corinthian church with these things and not anybody else. So obviously, as you read 1 Corinthians, we see that in 1 Corinthians, uh, the church at Corinth had gone to an extreme where they they were speaking in tongues so much they tried to preach in tongues. And uh, they did all their praying in tongues publicly when they were publicly together. It appears as though they did all their praying in tongues. So Paul, in trying to give some direction, uh, 
went through these. It's not my purpose to teach about each one of the gifts of the Spirit today. But I'm going to focus on the difference between speaking with tongues and the gift of tongues. So 1 Corinthians 12.10 says, To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Second, 1 Corinthians 12.30 says, Have all gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. And then, of course, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, and I'm just, for time's sake, going to stop just at verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I, I will continue reading. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, I profit me nothing. So in this context, uh, these three verses of 1 Corinthians 13 appear as though they are referring to the gift of tongues. So the three, three the three contexts I've read so far, 1 Corinthians 12:10, 1 Corinthians 12:30, and 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3, or 13, 1 through 3, seems as though these are talking about the gift of tongues. Now, let me give you a few guidelines here as we begin to read in 1 Corinthians 14 where all the detail is is in Paul's teaching of trying to uh, uh, help us to understand the difference between the uses of uh, the the gift the, the praying in tongues and praising in tongues and ministering in tongues in the spirit and the gift of tongues and its uses. So the difference between the two types of speaking in tongues is, first of all, the gift profits the church when it is accompanied by the interpretation of those tongues. So those two are supposed to be connected. They don't, they don't, don't and rarely are ever operated in any single manifestation by the same person where both the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues is given by the same person, even though we will find that Paul says if you give a message in tongues and there's no interpreter present, then you're under the obligation to give the interpretation, which would seem to indicate that in most cases, if you're given the gift of tongues, you're also given the gift of interpretation in order to be able to obey the word of God. But the reason why God would normally give the message in tongues through one and the and the the interpretation through another is to strengthen the confirmation of the sign and the the uh, its ability to edify the church and we will talk about that as we read in 1 Corinthians 14 in more detail. But praying in tongues does not edify the church. It is it is it edifies the individual. They are not the same. Those two things are not the same to the uneducated, inexperienced ear. They may sound the same, but to those of us that speak in tongues and pray in tongues, and and those of us that have the gift of tongues, we know they're not even remotely close to the same thing. They don't operate the same. They don't feel the same. They don't do the same thing. And the flow is not the same. Basically, this is the difference. Uh, 
The easiest way to tell which is being spoken about as we read in the scripture is ask yourself, what is the direction of the communication? Through the gift of tongues, accompanied by the gift of interpretation, God speaks through us to his church. Now, the gift of tongues with interpretation is equivalent to the gift of prophecy. And we find out, we're going to read again here in just a little minute, so you can be watching for it, that prophecy is when there's no unbelievers present. But you don't give a gift of, you don't give a word of prophecy by the gift of prophecy when there are unbelievers present. God gives the sign of the gift, uh, the gift of tongues and as evidence that something supernatural is about to be said. And then the gift of interpretation is done in the first person, almost always. I, the Lord, or thus saith the Lord, or something along, along that line. So the unbeliever knows that that person that's speaking is not presuming that they're God and speaking as God. They're not speaking as God. God is speaking through them. But always, 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 when I'm praying in tongues, whether I'm praising, thanking, or flowing in one of the flows of tongues in the Spirit, it is me flowing to God, and by God's empowerment, it is God empowering me and giving me the words to pray what he has put in my spirit that my mind doesn't understand or know. Either I don't know what it is or I don't know how to pray for that. And I fl- it flows out of me in tongues. Now, why? Because the word of God limits God to do things in the realm of men that man doesn't obey his word and pray for them. Why else would he say, ask and you shall receive? You're God, just give it to me. Why else would he say, seek and you shall find? Why should I have to seek? You're God, just give it to me. Why should I have to knock? You're God, just give it to me. No, because it is an act of humility, of acknowledging, I can't do this. You're the only one that can. It is an act of faith that I'm obeying the word of God. And it's an act of acknowledgement that everything comes from God, is done by God, with God, through God, and ultimately for his will and for his glory. So prayer is absolutely essential by his own plan. By his plan. By his plan. That's why the scripture says, unto thee shall all flesh come. Now the problem is, problem is that we uh, we do too much praying that it's just going through the motions of prayer. That's why you can't pray in the Spirit, truly biblically pray in the Spirit and be someone who's just going through the motions of prayer. You have to be given to prayer. That's what the apostles said. We will give ourselves continually to prayer. Acts 6.4. So here we are. Notice as we read, the gift of tongues when accompanied by the gift of interpretation is equal to the gift of prophecy. I've already said that. I'm saying it to you again. So 
Look at the two directions, and I'll be pointing that out. So now I'm reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit of the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. This verse is not talking about the gift of tongues. Because it's not God speaking to man and it being interpreted. This is me talking to God by the empowerment of his spirit, quickening in me the ability to put into words the things he's wanting to say through me. And in the next couple of lessons, we're going to get to a particular verse that really covers that in detail. So I don't want to get into it too deeply here now. Now, verse 3. But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. <coughs> Why? Because prophecy, or the gift of interpretation of the tongues, is God speaking through humans to mankind. In most cases, to the church. Verse 14, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. So when I'm praying in tongues, praising in tongues, thanking in tongues, or whatever else the Holy Ghost may do in and by and through me in tongues, I am speaking to God and doing that edifies me. And that word edify doesn't mean puff up. It means to strengthen and establish me, to build me up in God. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now again, remember the Corinthians apparently had gotten to the place that that's about all they did when they came, came to church, including, we will see, it appears as though that they were just speaking in tongues when they were preaching or teaching, which doesn't make sense at all. Because <laughs> if everybody's sitting there, speaks the same language, then the Holy Ghost is going to speak in that language to those people when you're teaching and preaching. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, and he that prophesies edifies the church. Listen to what Paul said. I would that you all speak with tongues. I want all of you to speak with tongues. It's my desire that you speak with tongues. But when you come to church, rather that you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. And apparently, as we will find out in another few verses here as we go along, there were people with the gift of tongues even. They just kept giving up, getting up and giving, giving messages in tongues, and there was no interpretation, and, and, and they just kept on doing that, and it benefited nobody. It was totally out of order. So greater is he that prophesieth than he that speak with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. In other words, if I give a message in tongues or I and somebody or somebody else interprets that message in tongues, that is not greater than prophesying. But if all you're going to do is give messages in tongues that aren't interpreted, then prophesying is greater than that. Now, Verse uh, 6, now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? 
except I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. Now, he's saying to them, if I come to you and I'm supposed to be teaching or preaching, and all I do is stand before you and speak in tongues, and uh, I don't interpret that or nobody else interprets that because I'm giving a message in tongues or uh, through the gift of tongues and nobody interprets it, or I'm just standing before you praying in tongues and I'm not uh, just talking to God, not talking to you. There's no benefit. There's no profit to you. But I won't get into this now, but it's a great study. This verse 6 actually talks about four different flows of the Holy Ghost that that flows through us as he's ministering through us in our language. There's the flow of revelation in teaching and preaching. There's the flow of preaching and teaching by knowledge. There's the flow of preaching and teaching by divine utterance. And then there's the flow of teaching or preaching by doctrine. Now, the scripture says that even things, verse 7, and even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in, in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the, if the trumpet give a certain sound, uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? So if you go to church and all you do is speak in tongues, there's no teaching or no edifying that takes place. People don't grow in whatever. I can do all that I want in my private prayer time. Or if you and I are praying together, and we're not talking to each other, we're talking to God. It is acceptable for me to do that most of the time in that prayer if I'm praying with somebody else. But when it's time to teach or preach, I don't do that by the gift of tongues that aren't interpreted, and I don't do that in speaking in tongues. So verse 9, so likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue, or the words of the mind, words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak as into the air. Well, if I'm praying in the Spirit to God, I'm not praying into the air, but I'm not praying for you to hear me or understand. And if God is praying through me, he's not praying for you or me to understand either. Because we're just his conduits at that time. Verse 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Signification. Uh, therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh uh, a barbarian, and he that speaketh, uh, he, and he, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. In other words, if the person, and I've been in many services where the person that preached was in a language I didn't understand, and they weren't a barbarian to me, but they were definitely, we weren't communicating. We weren't able to communicate. I have some very dear brothers in Brazil that I have done a seminar for. Uh, we call it a seminar. Wink, wink. It's a seminar uh, for the last uh, three, four years now. And they're wonderful men, and they love God. But we we can't communicate without somebody sitting there with us interpreting back and forth, which frustrates them. It frustrates me too, but I don't speak their language. They don't speak mine. So Paul is saying, <laughs> you can't preach and teach if you don't do it in a language the people that are sitting there understand, or you have to have an interpreter. So if I'm preaching in English, and you speak only Spanish, 
or Portuguese or French or whatever, that I have to have an interpreter that speaks through me, that takes what I say and interprets through them to you so that you can understand me. And if I'm given a gift, a message in the gift of tongues or by the gift of tongues, then there has to be the gift of interpretation to explain what has been said. Verse 12, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Now, I want to excel to the edifying of the church. That's what I'm doing sitting in this studio, looking at the business end of a camera, talking to you. I desire for God to use me to edify the body of Christ. But at the same time, if I'm in this room by myself and the camera's not on, and I'm not trying to talk to you at present or in the future, whether this is streamed live or being recorded for you to watch at a later time, then I can pray in tongues all I want. And I'm not hindering anybody because I'm praying the secrets of my heart. That's what the Greek word mysteries means in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. I'm speaking the secrets of my heart. So verse 13 says, Wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, who is the one being prayed to most of the time. God. Now, Paul talked about on a few occasions, we pray you in Christ's stead, 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 15, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We pray you in Christ's stead. So, from a very technical sense, if God speaks through me in a, gift, a, a, a message in the gift of tongues, and then there's an interpretation, then we are, he is praying to you or beseeching you, uh, by his spirit that you would receive the word. And rather than a preacher just getting up and speaking that, he has supernaturally spoken it as a message in tongues and then has supernaturally interpreted it. But, Verse 14 says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Well, the Greek word there is the word, and unfruitful means it is the negative prefix on the word fruitful. And something that is fruitful is that which has produced something. So my mind being unfruitful simply means this is coming out of my spirit, and my mind is not producing it. In fact, when I first broke through into the liberty of tongues after having had the baptism of the Holy Ghost for 10 years and only speaking in tongues very rarely, it was so novel to just listen to this flow coming out of my mind. I wasn't saying it. I wasn't making the words up. I'm just listening to it. My mind wasn't involved in speaking at all. I was just listening because my mind was, one translation puts, at rest. And I guess from the sense that my mind's not working to say what I'm saying, then it would be at rest. But it's uh, it's not responsible for what's coming out of my mouth because I'm praying for a, from a completely different place than what uh, God, 
from what I would be saying if it was out of my mind or coming out of my mind. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, what is it then? I will pray or what will I do then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. And as the Lord leads in my prayer, I will go back and forth and I will sing with the spirit, which can also be considered broader praise uh, because we're talking in, in a moment, we're going to talk about uh, the next verse talks about thanking God in the spirit, thankfulness and praise are synonyms, kind of not exactly the same, but the same basic idea. And so I will, I will pray or, or with the spirits and I will pray with the understanding. Also, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also, uh, else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, bless who bless God. How shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? What that, what that says to me is that if I'm praying with other people in a prayer meeting, and especially if I'm praying in church, I can't pray in tongues all that time. If I'm praying with other people, there are times the Holy Ghost just want to go to pray, want me to pray, want to pray through me in my language so that those that are nearby uh, are edified by it. Now, my question is this. Uh, this is my humanity speaking. Well, I, if I'm praying, I'm not talking to you anyway. So why should you be edified by my prayer or my giving of thanks when I'm not even talking to you? But that's not very realistic, is it? Because we all know that we've been in prayer meetings with people and even when we didn't intend to, we listened to them pray. And according to the word of God, if you're not experienced with prayer or you don't know how to pray, you can learn how to pray by praying with somebody that truly understands biblical prayers and knows how to pray biblical prayers. And in that case, you would be edified. So you would not only learn how to pray in English, and of course the kingdom prayer that the Lord commanded us to do in Matthew 6 and Luke 11 is prayed in the language of your mind as the Spirit prompts you, leads you, and empowers you to do so. But we're also praying, alternating with that, and tongues. Uh, verse uh, 17 says, For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not, is not edified. So when I'm praising and thanking God in tongues, I'm giving thanks well. But those that are present, if I'm not praying by myself, they're not getting any benefit out of my prayer because they're not understanding anything I pray. And Paul confirms, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He is not here in any way, shape, or form referring to the gift of tongues. He's talking about his own personal experience in relationship with God and how he prays. Because he then says, yet in the church. So the implication is what he said in verse 18 was him talking about what he wasn't doing when the church was gathered. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet uh, the King James says in the church, but the Greek is literally in the assembly of the believers. 
I had rather speak five words with my understanding than by my voice I might teach that that by my voice I might teach others than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. So he's making it very clear: if I'm going to stand up in front of you, I'm not going to try to teach or preach to you in tongues or a series of messages in the gift of tongues that aren't interpreted. He said, I'd rather speak five words in the language you understand than 10,000 words in tongues when it's time to minister to the body. Verse 21, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. Yet for all that they will not hear, saith the Lord. That's Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. This being quoted. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, what's the direction of communication and prophecy? God, through human, to the church. So therefore, what is the direction of the tongues that are a sign and the interpretation of those tongues? God, through humans, through the gifts, to the church or unbelievers in the church if uh, tongues are used as a sign. Without the unbelievers present, there is no need for the sign of tongues. I can just give the gift of interpretation which is actually the gift of prophecy because there was no tongues that preceded it. Verse 23, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned and unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? So when it's time to worship together and praise together and people are in our midst who are not yet saved, you cannot have a cacophony of people speaking in tongues with nothing that that person can understand. Because if that happens, they're going to say you're crazy. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? But if all prophesy, there come in one that believeth not and one un- or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Now, he's not saying that everybody's prophesying all at the same time. But he is saying in that, in those prophecies that God is revealing hearts, especially that person's heart. And they're going to fall down before God and confess their sins. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren? Or what are we supposed to do then, brethren? When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine or a teaching, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath interpretation. Let all things be done decent, done unto edifying. Now, I won't get off into that. But that says, when you come together, let every one of you have. Doesn't sound like it is. There's someone supposed to be in authority, we will see in a few verses. Someone's supposed to be in authority and judge all of it and be in charge to keep it in order. But it doesn't sound like there's supposed to be 
a service where the people are sitting uninvolved and have no input in what we're singing or what we're talking about, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'll just leave that right there. Verse 29, let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. In other words, there shouldn't be more than two or three prophecies going forth without someone that is judging and confirming the church. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the word God is speaking to us. Uh, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. So there should be a flow in the gift of prophecy where one person doesn't dominate and somebody else, it's time for them to speak. The first one stops, etc., etc. Verse 31, for you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. Now, the problem is not everybody has the gift of prophecy. So the implication is all may prophesy one by one, meaning all that has the gift of prophecy may prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets. So don't tell me that you can't stop yourself from speaking. That's why we can understand to do things decently in order. And God may give given me a prophecy, but I'm supposed to wait until it's time to give it. Verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of saints. And then some of the most misquoted verses in all the Bible. Let your women keep silence in churches, for it is not permitted for them to speak, uh, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also under the law. And if they will ask, learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Now, if that means what that's saying literally exactly like that, then why did Paul go through some 14, 15, 16 verses in 1 Corinthians 11, just three chapters before this, to talk about a woman having her head covered so that she could pray and prophesy. If praying and prophesying is for the edification of the church, and she can't speak in the church, then what does it matter how her head is covered or not? It does matter. Because she can pray and prophesy in the church. So what does this mean? Well, apparently... The churches adopted the Jewish custom of dividing the men and women where the men and women sat in separate areas. And according to many scholars, uh, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, I'm just saying what I've read, that uh, they followed this tra- tradition. Or And when uh, the preacher was preaching, the wife, uh, because they didn't believe in educating the women, uh, uh, which was, I'm not... Uh, uh, Agree with that at all. I'm not saying that. That was that, their custom then. It was the custom both in and out of the church. It wasn't just the church. That was the custom of the culture of the times. Uh, they would ask their husbands out loud, is that true? If you got women doing that, going back and forth between the two areas where the, the men and women are sitting, how confusing is that? That's why he said, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. Because it is causing confusion. Verse 36, what? Came the word of God out from you and or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Now notice these last two verses, and I'm closing. Wherefore, brethren, 
covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. So Paul is not saying anything or writing anything in any of his writings to discourage speaking or praying in tongues. He is speaking for the purpose, verse 40, last verse of chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 14, let all things be done decently and in order. So he didn't say anything for the purpose of saying tongues isn't important, don't do it. He was trying to teach and help the first Corinthians, the Corinthians church and every, all of us since then, because Peter acknowledged in first Peter chapter, or second Peter chapter three, that the writings of Paul were considered scripture even while he was alive. Consider scripture by the church even while he was alive. So do not Take these scriptures and say that it doesn't, that it's saying don't preach, don't speak in tongues, don't pray in tongues. Because that's not the truth. Paul wrote all these things so we would understand the difference in praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, praising in tongues, whatever, magnifying God in tongues, and the ministry of the gift of tongues with the interpretation of tongues. And what the difference is, and the difference in how they should be used, and that there are some restraints on speaking with tongues depending on where you are and what you're doing. If you're praying all by yourself, pray in tongues all you want. If you're praying with others, but you're in a prayer meeting, you can still pray in tongues most of the time, I guess. Uh, but you still need to pray in English some of the time, if that's the language of your mind or whatever the language of your mind is. But if you're in the church and you're in the pulpit, you can speak in tongues occasionally in praise as you may do that. You may pray in tongues in the pulpit, but you do not teach and preach in the pulpit in tongues or attempt to give teaching or preaching through, through gifts, the operation of the gift of tongues when it's not being interpreted. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you receive this that God will give you wisdom of this, that you might not have any fear and you might be able to know the word and trust the word of God and its guidance of you as you begin to learn to walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, and pray in the spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.